Welcome to Season 2 of Between Two Blue Devils. I'm Mark Horner, your host, and this is a podcast featuring teachers, administrators, alumni, and community members of the beautiful city of Talmadge, Ohio. This podcast is about stories, their stories, the stories of people who love kids, love their city, and love the pursuit of education. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're at it, feel free to share the podcast with a friend, tweet it out, post it on Facebook, snap it out, be sure to leave a review. And now without further ado, I bring you season two. Kick back, grab a cup of coffee from Crimson Cup, and enjoy getting to know some of the amazing people who love Talmadge and love our kids. Welcome to another edition of Between Two Blue Devils, and I'm so thankful that you are joining us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for pushing out the podcast. Thank you for getting on your favorite listening platform and giving us a review. That's how we can spread the message about all of these absolutely incredible teachers and employees of Talmadge City Schools. And today I am joined by a very special guest, one who is actually one of my new neighbors if you recall from other episodes this year, I'm in a different hallway in a brand new room and I am now in the science wing and I am literally, should I say three doors down? <laughs> yeah, but three doors down, isn't that a band? So that's a little from Mrs. Benedict. I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you. So uh, it's, it's great to have somebody from the science department joining us. Am I the first one? You are the first. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you are the you are the brave one. All right. <laughs> to uh, sit behind this mic and tell us a little bit about who you are uh, as the teacher, but most importantly, who you are outside of the walls of this school. Uh, who is Mrs. Benedict? So let's just begin. Tell us your what you teach and your your name and um, just a little bit about who you are. Okay, um, I'm Mrs. Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> I teach I teach mostly upper level bio. So I teach uh, I teach bio two. Uh, I teach anatomy and phys. I teach um, fundamentals of biology. I have taught bio one before. I might next year too. I don't know. That's up in the air. Uh, and I've taught chemistry, so I've taught a lot of different different things. But most of the students I have are the upper level bio courses. That's like four out of my six classes. So a lot of students don't know who I am because I teach like a small niche of students. I get like a few kids in bio and a few kids in chem, and then everybody else is anybody that chooses to take those bio classes. Okay, so, very yeah. good. So is having taught such a wide variety, which one's your favorite? Probably anatomy. Anatomy? Yeah. Why anatomy? Because everybody that sits in my class is so excited about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, well, because they're all there because they want to go to the medical field. Like, yeah. I, it's not, it's very unlike a lot of the other classes because number one, it's cool because it's your body. Um, and it's also, uh, like I said, like everybody's very motivated. There's, there's never ever any questions of why is this important? Mm -hmm. Like, why do I need to know this? Everyone is like a hundred percent in, which is unlike any of my other classes. My, uh, my daughter has recently decided that she wants to pursue something in the medical field. She's going into nursing. I didn't and, know that. Oh yeah. And one of the things she's talking about is how she wishes she would have taken anatomy. And, uh, and yeah, she, nice. yeah, and <laughs> learned more about it. But she and I have, are both, and actually our conversation before we started recording just talks about 
the, the kind of the awe and the wonder of the human body and how everything is connected and every, every part of your body from your, the toenail on your pinky to the hair on your head plays a role. It plays a part and it's all interconnected. There's gotta be some fascinating things that you, uh, you discover while you're, you're teaching the body. What's, what's the coolest thing you've learned about the human body? That I've learned teaching or teaching and that thing, he, period. Well, let's do both. I think the coolest thing, period, is that like there's cells in your heart called the pacemaker cells that spontaneously um, depolarize. Like the uh, your psychology class is listening, they should know depolarize. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, uh, yeah. but spontaneously depolarize, and uh, to my knowledge, science has no idea how. So, like the thing that keeps you alive they still don't understand. I've never even heard of that. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So it's like, uh, I mean, at least the last I checked, maybe there's current science out there that said that they figured it out, but they, to my knowledge, they have no idea how that happens. So what do you do? Like when you hear about this, how, how do you hear about this kind of new progressive news? Do you, do you read anything or do you, you like read blogs or listen to podcasts or anything about anatomy or science? Uh, yes. I mean, and a lot of it is in news, too. If it's like a big breakthrough, it's in mm -hmm. the news. So, like, I have a lot of, like, articles and not, maybe not articles, but, like, you know how when you're in your news, you can subscribe to different sure. things. Yeah. Biology is one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> like, a big part of it, actually, like, biology and science. Yeah. And if there's ever anything that I'm interested in, I'll go, like, explore further. But, I mean, obviously, this year, the coronavirus, I have read a ton about and I also have friends that were in college with me that are now like researchers and every, like one of my very good friends, like my lab partner in college, um, he researches at Michigan State uh, Medical School. Really? And yeah, and he, he uh, studies the coronavirus. So a lot of the things I know, I've learned directly from him and my brother and my brother's a doctor. So like, oh, wow. yeah, so there's, various people in my life as well that are actually doing it so so you're out there you're talking you're learning and you're chatting constantly about what you teach and what you're passionate about and i know that you know when i'm talking history or psychology and i read something then i come into the classroom and i get all excited about it and i share it with the kids and it just helps me kind of spurs me on to be a better teacher yeah. you know and to, you know stay excited about what what we're teaching and i think that's cool to hear that um, so how long have you been teaching uh, and what, where, did you, where did you go to college? Where did you go to become a teacher? I graduated in the fall of 2010. And so then I, I long-term subbed at St. V that spring. Okay. And then I was at Hoover for a year and then I came here. So that's been like, I think I'm on my 10th year. So if I do the math right, <laughs> like I lose track of how many years oh, I've yeah. been teaching. When you're not real close to retirement, you don't even think about yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I don't. So I, um, so yeah, about 10 years. Um, that, that was my master's. My undergrad is in biology. Okay. And I, um, so I actually, like, that's my degree. So I went to Akron U for both. All right. Um, and what was the other question? Like where I went to school and how I became a teacher? Well, well why you became a teacher? Okay, so <laughs> um, there, that, it's actually like a, a, I think I was the person that always knew I wanted to become a teacher. Okay. Um, in high school, when I graduated, I know I had at least mentioned it, and everybody told me, don't go into it. And I think it's because I graduated in 04, 
And that was right around the no child left behind, mm -hmm. like all of the standardized testing mm -hmm. and crap being laid on teachers. And a lot of teachers were like, nope, don't go into it. Yeah. Like all this crap is changing and everything. And so like, so I, I kind of went into college with, uh, I love biology and I'm just going to go with it. So I, uh, I tutored in college. I was a grader for the math department in college. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, they paid very well. Yeah. Um, so, and I also like I, I uh, observed at a vet's office. The only thing I knew I didn't want to do is the medical field. Um, huh. I worked. I, it's just that's not me. I I am way too much of a of a perfectionist, and I if I make a mistake in my job now, I can fix it. I come in and be like, guys, I screwed up. Yeah. If you make a mistake in your job <laughs> as a doctor, somebody dies. Yeah. That's just not me. It was not my thing. I didn't want to like, there's a lot of paperwork involved. Like it was just, that's not me. Yeah. Um, I also worked in a lot of research labs and did a lot of research stuff as an undergrad hmm. because I contemplated going into teaching college and doing research. Um, but what ultimately like they came out of all of that and I'm like, I, I don't want to do research. It's, it was, it was much, I'm not a lab rat. I, I, it's, it's too monotonous for me. Mm -hmm. and it just, it, I don't know. It wasn't right. And I, I knew I wanted to teach because I really liked tutoring mm. and like the quote unquote bad part of teaching is grading. And I was a grader and I was like, this is fine. I can do this. <laughs> you know? So, um, and then like, and I would have people like when I was in my undergrad, like in genetics, we would have quizzes every Friday and everyone would come to my dorm room on Thursday night so that I could teach them the genetics. It's just, wow. that was who I was, yeah. you know, like, cause everybody was lost and like, and, and so that was just who I was and like, and I enjoyed it. So I knew I wanted to teach. Like I would have people come up to me, like I tutored chem and like just random people would come up to me like, I passed chemistry because of you. And like, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Um, and so then I, you know, I, I went as far as to start the interviewing processes for PhDs. Wow. And I went to, um, God, it was the University of Indiana, I think. Like, I mean, it was a beautiful school for biology. Like they, they were ranked, I think one or two in like the field of my choice. Like it was like this amazing lab and I walked mm. in and I, and, and I sat there and I'm like, I don't want to do this. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. And so I went home. And I walked to the College of Education and uh, I signed up for my master's. And that's where, that's where I came. I think I just finally like, there was a girl at Indiana that told me, she was like, you know, the, most of the people that don't end up coming here are the people that didn't want to do it anyways. And I think it was just a light bulb in me that was hmm. like, I was doing it for everybody else. Everybody else was like, oh, you should go into research. You're smart, you should do this, you should do that. And like, there was a lot of pressure to do a lot of things other than teaching. I was told I was wasting my intelligence. Wow. Oh yeah. Like wow. <laughs> I was told a lot of things like, like, why are you going into teaching? You're too smart to be a teacher. I'm like, well, you know what? I hope your kid is the teacher that you want them to have. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Man, that's just, that just, how that does not settle well when people tell you that to tell you that because like you, I mean, I love our, our calling, our profession, and it's yeah. the greatest profession in the world. And to hear somebody say that way, say that, I mean, I, I think you're right where you were meant to be. Mm -hmm. what, what has been your biggest, um, 
what have you loved the most about being a teacher? I know, that's a hard question. <laughs> um, I don't know, it just fits me. Like, I don't think I could pick out one thing. I mean, obviously I really enjoy students, mm -hmm. but like I enjoy like the social aspect of it. That was part of like why I didn't like the lab route because yeah. it's not as social. I like that it's different every day and I have control of like what I do every yeah. day, which is awesome. Um, and I also, you know, I obviously enjoy people like every year I get students that come to back to me and they're like, you know, I'm doing this because of you. Mm -hmm. Like, that's awesome. But it's, I think it's just very fitting for me. Yeah. yeah when those, when those kids come back and they say that that's kind of like our bonus check. Yeah. You know, and you sit back and, and you realize I played a role mm -hmm. in this young person's future. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 the beautiful thing, the beautiful side of teaching for sure. What? So tell me a little bit about high school and maybe reflect upon your high school experience. <laughs> and uh, and, you know, were there teachers, science teachers or biology teachers or teachers, you know, go K through 12 and talk about teachers who had an impact on you? And first of all, tell us where you graduated from. <laughs> I graduated from Talmadge. Um, K through 12. Okay. I uh, I know I liked my second grade teacher, but I don't uh, remember. Like, her name was Kersher. Yeah. But, I mean, I was seven, so yeah. I don't remember that. Like, I don't remember a lot from my really young childhood. My husband remembers things from when he was, like, four and three. I mm -hmm. don't remember any of yeah. that. Um. So kindergarten, I only remember kinder economy, which I don't think they do anymore. And I think that's a travesty, but like you had to like make stuff and sell it and yeah. you had fake money and it yeah. was like this whole economy thing. Right. But I remember that. Um, but I, uh, in fourth grade, I had a teacher named Mrs. Salo, who I love. Mm -hmm. uh, I did, this is not really like necessarily teachers, but I did this program called Odyssey of the Mind. I don't know if you've heard of it. I remember hearing about it. Yeah. yeah. What was it again? It was like, um, it was through the schools, yeah. but it wasn't like a teacher that did it. Um, but you were in teams, there was like seven of us, and you were presented with a problem and you had to solve it in the form of a skit. It was like an eight minute skit. And okay. You had a hundred bucks, that was all you could spend. And, and it was uh, like, it was basically on creativity. Like you were judged on creativity and your ear, and then you competed, which again, another travesty. They don't do it anymore. Wow. It's called destination imagination now, yeah. but like um, I did it for six years and I loved it. Like, cause it was just, it was problem solving. Like my nickname was Houston because on the team, cause it was like Houston, we have a problem. And I was the one that solved the problem. So, um, but yeah, like I did it for years and like loved it. We, we went to Worlds twice. So we got to like, um, we got to come, like we stayed in dorms at universities and there's people from all over the world that you hmm. got to know and you traded pins like in the Olympics. Yeah. Like, so, and you got to know like people from all over. I remember getting to know these people from Europe. Um, but yeah, and like, and we, you know, you competed obviously like it was not like sports, but you know, you were on sure. a team or whatever. So I did that all through elementary and middle school. I remember because, you know, having taught at the middle school, I do remember Odyssey of the Mind, uh, hearing about it and wondering what it was about. I wasn't, you know, obviously involved in it. I was involved in so many other things, but I remember it. And, yeah. I, and I remember um, kids being involved and it's it's all starting to come back to me now. Yeah. 
I remember. It was such an awesome program. <clears throat> like, honestly, when my kids are older, I will search out that program and I will coach a team. Yeah. Like, because it was, it was that good. Like, in terms of, like, problem solving and critical thinking and all of the things that are, like, lacking now, yeah. you know, like it was yeah. great. So, I mean, that was like a lot of my middle childhood. Like mm-hmm. I did that and I also did gymnastics. So I was like, I did sport too, but, um, in high school, Hirschberger, like yeah. she's not here anymore, yeah. but I took her job ironically. Oh, okay. Is that who you replaced? Yeah, All right. I replaced and yeah. she taught bio two and anatomy and, uh, like, she's, yeah. she was an amazing teacher. Yes, she, she was. So, and I mean, like, I have friends that talk about her, too. She's oh, yeah. amazing. So. Yeah, she's the one name. She's one of a couple names that that when I, uh, I'm out and about and somebody says, oh, who are, is Mrs. Hirschberger still at the high school? They're always asking, is she still there? And uh, she, her name comes up all the time. She was incredible. She, You know, she would always just be compassionate and empathetic, and she would listen to me. You know, as a, a younger teacher, she always had advice to pass on. I mean, she is truly an amazing um, yeah, she was good. Yeah, she was very good. So she, uh, she you took her class. So what year was that? Then you, you, you again, two thousand ten or eleven? When I graduated? No, when you came into into you got oh, into teaching Talmadge. I got I came to Talmadge the uh, fall of two thousand twelve. So fall, twelve okay. thirteen was my first school year here. Okay. Because I was at Hoover for one year before that, and St. V before that. So what was it like coming back to your alma mater as a teacher? Honestly, it was not something I sought out to do. Um, It just happened that way. So um, I, the year I was at Hoover, so number one, I absolutely despised teaching there. (laughs) So I was a long-term son for a full year. Okay. And I I took the job because I knew that I was, um, like they were going to have a job opening the following year. And it was a good district. So I'm like, I'm going to do this because they were gonna have multiple job openings the following year. Mm-hmm. So that that following spring, Talmadge had an opening, Wadsworth had an opening, and Hoover had an opening. So I went through the interview process at all three places. Mm. Um, Hoover I knew I didn't wanna go to, but if it was like my only choice, then mm-hmm. it was my only choice. Yeah. But I actually got a job offer at Wadsworth and Talmadge at the same time. And so, and Wadsworth was going to offer me more money, <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but, but your alma mater. <laughs> well, the thing was, is Wadsworth, I was going to be teaching freshman science for who knows how long, because it's a big school district. I was going to be the low man on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. And in Talmadge, they wanted someone to take over. If they could find someone to take over, Norma, like Norma Hirschberger. Yeah. Uh, her classes, like someone who was qualified to do all the dissections and anatomy and everything, that's who they were going to hire because nobody wanted to shift all their preps around 500 times mm-hmm. to, to cover her classes. So I was going to be teaching the classes that I wanted to teach from the beginning on a block schedule, which is amazing from a teacher's perspective. So I took this job. Nice. Um, and so I came in and it was a little like awkward at first because again, it was not my choice. That was not like, it was not my thing to be like, I want to go back to town, right. you know, but I'm glad I did because I really like my position. Mm-hmm. So, and now like most of the teachers I had are all retired. Right. Most of them. I had you in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But like, And I'm going to be around for a while. So Yeah, and there's a few others I had here, like some people in the math department that are here. Like I had Swindell and Redinger I had. 
Um, who else did I have that's still here? Mrs. Whitman? Nope, never no. had Shomo. I had Shomo. I'm thinking about different departments now. <clears throat> but I had only a, only a few teachers here. Like, I had had uh, Donzi when she was still here. Okay. But obviously she's gone now. Yeah. So, 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 you know, we've, it is truly amazing the number of teachers who graduated from Talmadge and are now teaching here. And I like to ask the ones who, who came through Talmadge, what was it like the first time you're walking the hallway as a teacher and now you see a former teacher that you've had and you're now like colleagues? What did you feel like? I mean, were there any like revelations or any moments where you're like, okay, now I see why maybe you you responded the way that you did or any any funny stories, any weird scenarios? No, no. not really. I don't have any weird stories. Like mostly because most of the science department, I don't even know if Cindy Dante remembered me. <laughs> 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 I don't know. So like everyone in the, I never had uh, Lewis. She was here, but I never had her. Yeah. So most of the people I work with most directly, I, I never had. Yeah. And I, I I don't remember anything. I think Conway, I had Conway. Yeah. I, I remember Conway seeing me and this was before I started. I don't, it might've just like, she knew I was going and she's like, oh, are you gonna teach math? And I was yeah. like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody expected that from me because both my parents are math teachers. Okay. That's funny. But I was like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not teaching math. That's funny. Uh, other than that, no, I, I distinctively remember though, one New Year's Eve, it was like right after I started teaching all of my friends from Talmadge, we were all together and they were like asking me like, what's this person like as a person? Give us the dirt. Come on. Yeah, what are... <laughs> that is funny. I just, I, I do remember you. I remember when you got hired, I remember you standing up in the auditorium and introducing yourself. Uh, and thinking, oh, this is really cool. You know, I had her back in eighth grade. It's cool that she's going to be here teaching in the same building that I am. But like you mentioned, you know, being on the block and then being in different wings, yeah, you don't really cross paths with with each other very often. You know, you have to be very intentional about seeking out other departments, uh, which is one of the reasons why I think it's pretty cool that I'm in this hallway and I get to see you every morning and talk to yeah. you and and and, um, and see a whole different side of the building which is neat. I have oftentimes thought about sending out an email, obviously not this year because we have no staff room, but saying like, hey, how about anybody that wants to eat lunch during C eat in the staff room so we could actually talk yeah. to other people? Because yeah. like we've never, at the other schools I've taught at, that's what, except for Hoover, uh, that's yeah. what happened. Everybody ate together and it doesn't happen here. No, it, yeah. it is interesting, you know, the busyness of life and and yeah. I think maybe because they are separate wings. Yeah, well, you um, end up working through your lunch period half yeah. the time. So. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. I know you and I both do that. We just end up meeting with kids and mm -hmm. and uh, trying to get things done. Cause when, because when we go home, and especially you with your stage in life, uh, you want to spend all your time with your family. Yeah. Right? Okay. And I know you have some young ones at home. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your family? Okay. Um, I have a husband named Dave. He is seven years older than me, so we have a lot of jokes about him being an old, old man. Um, and <laughs> so, anyways, uh, we have we have three kids. Uh, Eloise, although she won't let us call her that anymore, she's Ellie. She's four and a half. It's a beautiful name. 
Yeah, you know what though? Like when we named her that, we're like, oh, we're gonna be all unique. No one names their kid Eloise. Like, it, you know, like as a teacher, you see all the names that yeah. go through. And I've never heard seen an Eloise. Yeah. She got named Eloise, and now I see Eloise everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, okay, at least we were the first yeah. because, like, and then now, like, there's a TV show, and one of the girls on the TV <laughs> show is Eloise. And really? I'm like, how 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 is this just starting? That's out? funny. Like, you know, like That's it's funny. such a unique name, but yeah. So that she's Ellie, and then um, I've got two and a half year old twins, Stephen and Susan. So, and they were named after our parents. Okay. Like she's uh, she is Susan Louise after my mom and his mom, and he's Stephen Gerald after his dad and my dad. That is really cool. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. <laughs> well, we didn't know their sexes before. None of our kids, we didn't know any of their sexes, and so we uh. We were like, okay, well, Dave really wanted to name a kid after his dad. So if we had one boy, it was going to be Stephen. And then the second one, we actually had no idea. Mm -hmm. We had two boys. We were going to be screwed in terms of names because we had nothing. That's um, so Just waiting for that moment of inspiration. Yeah. If we had two girls, we had multiple names, like sets of names picked out. And then if we had a girl and a boy, it was kind of like a crapshoot. And I told him, I was like, I feel like we got to go with, Stephen and Susan, because it just, it, it was like too perfect that they, they, both of our parents were S names and like, I don't know, it was just one of those, those, yeah those things. You just knew just it. Knew. Yeah. And I think I always knew that there was a boy and a girl. I knew Ellie was a girl like that. I knew, even though I didn't know, like they didn't tell me, I just knew everyone told me they're like, you're having a boy. I'm like, no, I'm not. You guys are all wrong. <laughs> um, but the twins were, were, were tricky because there was one of each. So yeah. I had like lots of, I lots, lots of, of internal weird... feelings. And uh... yeah, well, I dreamed about Susan before she was born. Hmm. Like it was her, like her face. She was a teenager, but it was her. Like I know, like, because I told Dave, I'm like, there's a girl in there and this is what she looks like. And he thought I was insane. And I'm like, no, there's a girl in there. I well, know. it's the power of a, of a mother's instinct, you know, yeah. and that, that's, that would be a really cool thing to study the biology as well as the psychology yeah. behind that. You know, the things, the way that your mind works and, and processes things, that's pretty amazing. Tell me, um, I mean, your parents and his parents, Dave's parents had to have been super excited when you told them the names of the twins. Yeah. His dad knew that we were going to name him Steven, I think. I think he knew mm -hmm. his dad, his dad, uh, Ellie was 10 weeks old. So it's been like four years now. His dad had a double aneurysm mm. and he was given a 1% chance of surviving. And he did. Wow. And he now he can drive. Really? Uh-huh. And like, I mean, you can, if you knew him beforehand, you can tell mm. if you didn't know him, you might think something slightly off. So I don't know like how fully he grasped that. Dave was going to name the kid after him, but that's why Dave was going to name the kid after him. Oh, well, wow. at least one of the reasons. Um, and then uh, my mom cried. She didn't know. <laughs> so, um, but but she, like, that was kind of one of, like, we were in the hospital, like, tossing up names still. And I was like, no, this is what we have to go with. So, and we did. What an, what an, it, what an honor. And I'm thinking about, you know, how cool it would be someday if one of my grandkids were named after me, you know, no pressure at all. kids. Hit, hit. <laughs> they won't even listen to the podcast. Anyways, they hear dad's voice way too much, but it is, it's the legacy thing. You know, you're passing on yeah. and you're honoring your parents because then that, that talks that, that kind of displays to the world, the role that your parents have played yeah. in both of your life and the influence oh, that yeah. they've had. 
you know, and I think that's a, that's a pretty powerful thing. So I want to hear uh, just a little bit more about each of your kids and some of the hobbies that your kids, Dave, and you are involved in. But first, we need to take a quick break. So now a word from our sponsors of Between Two Blue Devils. That would be me. <laughs> Well, welcome back. And here we are with part two with Mrs. Benedict. And uh, we were talking about your kids and their name. And it's uh, it's just such a beautiful uh, gift to name both of your kids over, you know, after your your parents and Dave's parents. Tell us, you know, you have three kids and two twins. What's it like having twins? Um, <laughs> Why? Why? I, was like, I need to be appropriate here. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that hesitation. I think I started with the right question. Well, it's funny because like when you're pregnant with twins, all these twin parents come out of the blue and they're like, oh, well, you know, it, it, it gets better after six months, you know, and they're like, like, oh, it's a blessing, blah, blah, blah. Like Dave and I, when we see twin parents, we're like, may the force be with you because you're going to need it. Like, because you, like, you cannot, it is an unfathom, I don't know if this is a word, but an unfathomable thing. That's... that you just cannot understand until you have had twins and like i mean as an example we're potty training two of them at the same time oh gosh and so susan <laughs> was amazing one day she just told me she's like mommy i don't like being wet and i was like you don't like being wet well all you got to do is pee in the potty and then we can put undies on you and you'll be dry from now on she's like okay <laughs> so i put undies on her she had two accidents and then was dry and <laughs> it was amazing but then steven saw her and she was like she was just after two she was young and steven saw her and he wanted to do it too he was totally not ready and so then like he started developing like uh oh gosh uh like stool refusal it's oh, a no. thing oh, no. it's a thing where they refuse to poop oh oh, uh -huh. oh yeah like i knew about it because my best friend's boy had it and like he had to go on like suppositories and like all sorts of things to help him poop because oh it was like this psychological thing that he would not poop really yeah oh yeah apparently it's common in boys because i then i looked it up on the internet because i like started seeing signs like steven would go two days without pooping and i'm like oh crap he's doing it too no pun intended yeah yeah so, <laughs> so we took a step back and just put him back in diapers okay. and, and so then like when he would actually start making transitions forward we like reward him and give him candy well then susan's like oh well he gets candy for this i'm gonna stop doing this she'd been great and so then she goes back because he's getting candy now i want candy for that too like you don't deal with that when you only have one what? oh my you know there's just little things like they feed off of each other i would have never started steven early if it wasn't for susan and then i would have never rewarded susan if it wasn't for steven and it's like things like that you don't even think you don't about. think about no that are like a huge challenge to a twin parent. I, I can't even imagine. I, there was one point when my wife was pregnant with Kelsey that our doctor thought they suspected two heartbeats. So we had to actually go to a specialist to get an ultrasound. Yeah. And I remember the two of us sitting out in the parking lot and we weren't, we were sort of excited, but then we weren't because we had friends at that time who had twins. And they would they were just like sleep deprived and it was just brutal trying to feed two babies at the same time and all this other stuff. Yeah. And I remember us sitting there and my wife was like, 
what are we going to do if it's twins? I'm like, well, I don't think we have any. I mean, we're going to have to do it. But, you know, we were just scared to death. (laughs) Dave dropped an F-bomb in the doctor's office. (laughs) Yeah. It was blatantly obvious that there were two. Like the words were ready to come out of my mouth, like, oh my god, are there two? And the doctor's like, Oh, there's twins. Oh my gosh. But he wasn't sure both of them were gonna survive. Because like it was so early that the heartbeats weren't strong. He's like, it just might be too early, or one of them might might like die apparently one in four twins hmm. like sets of twins one of them dies okay. and so like we went like we had a whole week we were kind of on edge like we didn't know if we were going to have twins or we were not going to have twins and like i think it was like the day after that doctor's appointment i made breakfast and the first egg i cracked cracked open was a double yolk get out of here i'm dead serious and like i had never seen a double yolk at that point yeah. And my husband like woke up and I was like, Dave, I got a sign from God. Oh man. <laughs> and he's like, You've never seen a double yoke before? I'm like, No, I've never seen a double yoke before. <laughs> I, I think this is a sign from God. <laughs> That's that is awesome. So the dream and the double yoke, I mean, there are all kinds of surprises going on here. Wow. That is, that's, you better start playing the lottery or something. That's uh, that is, that's pretty amazing. What a great story. So, you know, you've got twins. Are, are they similar? Are they very different? I mean, I, obviously one's a little more stubborn than the other, but. Polar opposites. Polar opposites. They are polar opposites. Because one's a boy, one's a girl. In so many ways, they are polar opposites. They, they get along. They're mm-hmm. friends, but they're very, very different. And what about Ellie? Is she like similar to. No, she's she... different than than them, like in a lot of ways. I mean, they're they're all simple. You can tell they're related, but mm-hmm. I mean, Ellie is in many cases like the stereotypical firstborn kid, like, and like she she's very independent. I mm-hmm. think because of the twins, because there's so much time that like like she was only two. She's 25 months when they were born. Mm. And she basically, like, at that point, was, like, number one, a big sister, but also so much of our attention went to them that yeah. she had to do stuff on her own. So she's very independent. Wow. Um, but, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're similar, but they're all different. They all have their own unique personalities, yeah. I mean, just like any kid. But, sure. Yeah, I mean, and they all de- have developed differently, too, mm. like at different speeds. And mm-hmm. Ellie got 100% attention for the first two years of her life. So, yeah. you know, like there's things that she can do that the twins couldn't do at that age, but mm-hmm. they didn't get that attention. And okay. Stephen's always been about a month behind Susan in everything, except for <laughs> jumping. He jumped before <laughs> she did. So he jumps yeah. all over the place now. Um, Just a little rabbit jumping around. Yeah, he is. He jumps off of all the furniture. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, little boys. Yeah, well, he's a little boy. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So. Always, uh, you, you see them and they're jumping and they're doing these things that you're just like, oh, here comes a broken arm. He's gonna, he's gonna yeah. die. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're on our way to the hospital here in the next hour, but uh, but that's part of the process, right? Well, he's got he's got two sisters, though, yeah. so he does a lot of girl things too. Like, yeah. he really likes his nails painted. There you go. He likes to dress up. We, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we call him Glambo. Glambo. <laughs> That's awesome. He used to wear this like glittery headband, like Rambo. Yeah, oh, that's that's awesome. He got coin glambo. Glambo. I I told Dan, I was like, we really need to write like 
a series of children's books about like being okay in your own skin. Like if you're like a little boy that likes girl things, yeah. title it like the series of like the adventures of Glambo. <laughs> I think you're onto something. <laughs> it actually might be your own podcast. <laughs> you, yeah, should, right? you could be like our neighbor across the, the, the hallway here. Uh, she's got her um, own podcast. I don't know if you knew that, no, but she talks a lot about her. Lauren, she talks all, all the time about her kids and all the many adventures of her kids. It's a, it's a pretty funny podcast um, that she pushes out. But our kids, they always provide so much entertainment for us. So, so Dave, um, how, long, how long have you and Dave been married? Um, what this is 2021, this is six years that <laughs> <laughs> we got married in 15, so this is six years, but we dated for almost six years before we got married. Okay, so we've been together for a long time. Where did you meet Dave at? Um, at Bravo, the Italian restaurant. Really, yeah, I was a server, and um, like Dave was a chef for like a decade, okay, before he switched like jobs. So I met him at Bravo. Wow. Yeah. And who approached who first? Well, I had already been working there for a while before he came in. So I went and introduced myself because he was the new employee, you know. Like, yeah. But in terms of like, like dating, I, our, our, our story is, is very long and convoluted. <laughs> it's not like this nice romantic story. <laughs> like both of us had previous relationships that really screwed us up. And we went through a whole series of, I'm not going to commit, you're not going to commit, I'm not going to commit, you're not going to commit. <laughs> like it was, it was, wow. yeah. so honestly, I don't, I don't really know. So was that, was it that, that took place during that six years before you were married or was it, did it happen before that? It was like, no, that was during the six years. That was like the first year and a half of our relationship hmm. maybe or something like that. And there was a long period in there where we were broken up and then yeah it was an on again off again thing for a while before we like actually decided we were going to really start to date and then we dated for like seriously for like four years okay but again like dave was like the, the guy that i'm not going to get married i'm not going to have kids i've had way too many like bad <laughs> relationships in the past like there was a lot of like baggage there I had my own baggage, but not like him. Yeah. So, yeah, like we dated for a while before we got married. So the guy who didn't want kids That's is rich. blessed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a double whammy there. I know. <laughs> that's, that's he funny. wanted kids. He just, it was like a protection thing. Sure. I knew that. Yeah. He, I knew he wanted to get married. He wanted kids. I knew that. He didn't, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I get Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, you got to go through the healing process and you got to work through things and then you got to recognize that there is stability in this relationship and no matter what yeah. the past precedent has been you know this one's safe and it's okay and now yeah. and now look at this, this yeah. you got an awesome marriage and you guys love to do a lot of really adventurous things together yes. what are your favorite hobbies that you guys engage in oh we go we climb we climb and we go hiking and stuff too we like we do a lot of outdoor stuff mm -hmm. um we both scuba dive so, I mean, that's more of like an on again, off again thing when we get to go somewhere, yeah. you know, um, but rock climbing is our thing. You're going to hear, I'm sorry, you're going to be hearing the phone ringing again. I did not tell my wife that I was interviewing somebody, so I can guarantee you that that's my wife calling and this would not be the only episode where you hear my wife calling. Um, but, um, 
Right. So I, I just, I'm so intrigued by the fact you rock climb and you scuba dive. Those are two things that I just, I wish I could do more of. Uh, my daughter and I talk about scuba diving all the time. What, where's the coolest place you've ever gone scuba diving at? Fiji. Fiji. Yes. What was that like? Oh, it was amazing. Like, okay. So Fiji is the soft coral capital of the world. That was like on my personal bucket list. We went there for our honeymoon. Um, and like, we did a shark dive. Hmm. So we swam with like 400 pound bull sharks. Like I could have reached out and touched one. Wow. Um, and then, uh, we, they, they have this whole reef. It's called rainbow reef. It's like world famous. Hmm. Um, cause like I said, they're the soft coral capital of the world. And, um, there's like the coolest thing was it's called the great white wall. Like there are, we got incredibly lucky. So first of all, like I, I had emailed um, the, the dive people before we left because I wanted to know like the best day to go mm -hmm. um, because they do it based off of currents. And it's like once a month, the, the coral like are open and feeding like based on like the tides. Okay. Right. And, um, and so we happened like they, they told us like people will come here time and time again and never see it. And we happened to see it. Wow. And so, um, like, uh, they, it was, this place is called the Great White Wall. And it's like, I mean, as far down and up as you could see. And we were, we went down a hundred feet. Wow. So like, it's as far down and up as you can see of like white bioluminescent coral. And it was the coolest thing I have ever seen in my life. Hmm. It was really cool. That's gotta be amazing. Yeah. So, um, we did, yeah, we did that. Like I said, we did the shark dive. It, it was a very cool place. That's cool. And and so you are a pretty aggressive rock climber too, right? Yeah. Yes. So what are some of the highlights of your rock climbing career? Um, well, I mean, most of the time we go down to Kentucky and West Virginia to climb. Like it's there two places we can go for a weekend and it's world-class climbing. Really? Um, yeah. And so we do what's like a lot of people don't understand a lot about rock climbing because of the movie free solo <laughs> everybody thinks if you rock climb you just go without a rope yeah. <laughs> like, um, it's not how it works that's not how it works no so like um and we do we do uh what's called sport climbing most frequently mm -hmm. which is like you take the rope up um and you do one rope length so i've gone up like 90 feet is the highest i've gone mm. uh, my husband has been like 700 feet um like wow. he's been up up uh like that was in mexico um i have not done that that's called multi-pitch like you go up and you keep like both people climb to the top and you take the rope with you and then you both go up another rope length and you, if that makes any sense yeah yeah um but we we mostly do sport climbing where there's like bolts in the rock okay and you climb up and you clip into the bolts as you go yeah and so if you fall you take a fall but you only fall to the next bolt if that yeah. makes sense that makes sense yeah yeah so that's normally what we do um but I was much stronger pre-child, but, uh, like cause all the climbs are rated by like difficulty level. Mm -hmm. So, and I was a gymnast for 10 years. So that helps out a lot. It, it, they, it translates very well. Wow. Like, um, a lot of gymnasts are very strong climbers though. And you have a little mini rock wall yes. at your home, don't you? Mm -hmm. Raising your kids the right way. Uh-huh. Yep. They climb. All three of them. <laughs> and there is a video, maybe I can uh, find a link to it or whatever to post in the show notes of your little kids climbing that wall. It's impressive. 
Oh yeah, is, they were one. They had just turned one in that video. That is, that it was yeah. so. It's amazing. Uh -huh. So I, I really appreciate you being here with us, and um, I want to wrap it up with just a couple questions um, that I kind of finish most of the episodes with. Uh, the one being, if there is a book that you would recommend, what book would you recommend that everybody read? Everyone read. Like, or what, about? or what, or I'll rephrase it. Maybe what's your most favorite book and why? I think I'd have to go with Harry Potter. And the reason is because um, I didn't read for a very long time. Like, I feel like... Uh, shouldn't say this, but like school, <laughs> like in all the forced books, really, sure. I was an avid reader as a kid. Like I read every night before bed. Mm -hmm. um, and then like middle school and high school, I really didn't read a lot. Mm -hmm. And like Harry Potter was one of the first books I picked up again. And I, I loved it. And uh, then from then on out, I, I've read since. Yeah. But it, it's like, it's just unfortunate that like I lost that for a while. Because now, actually, most of the days during my lunch break, I read. Mm -hmm. Like, if there's no students in my room. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, Harry Potter has come up quite frequently with some other other people. And, and I remember, so, and this wasn't, this wasn't that long after you had maybe graduated. Um, Might have been at that time. Did you graduate Bar Brown? And do you remember that name? No. So I think she was a little bit younger. I'm not quite sure, but I coached her in track and there was some, or in golf and uh, some of the other young ladies. I can remember us going on team dinners and these girls bringing the Harry Potter book with them because they just got sucked into yeah. that series. It was so it's captivating. Good. Yeah. Oh yeah. But seeing these kids, these high schoolers with this book, that's hundreds and hundreds of pages long uh -huh. and so captivated by it. And, you know, I just sit here and I hear how influential it was in so many lives what J.K. Rowling is just an amazing author. Yeah. I mean, just to be able to captivate of all ages, of all ages, yeah, of, of all, all ages. ages, like that. That because books are so much better than TV because you get like so much more about the characters mm -hmm. and like feelings and thoughts and all of that. Like, well, I was I was listening to a podcast um, just the other day, and they were talking about how when you read, the sensory and motor cortex are literally activated the same way they are if you were actually performing the action. So if you're reading about soccer and you're reading about kicking the ball, it's activating your motor cortex the same way, in the same manner it would if you were literally kicking it. So the, the, the whole point was you need to read more yeah. because you are, you are exercising your brain. Your brain is growing uh, and it, you're enhancing your imagination and, and it's affecting your memory, everything. Yeah. Kids need to read kids more. Are That's awesome. Yeah, my, my daughter, she's four and a half and like, she is has always been obsessed with books but mm. i think that's a firstborn thing like you get more time with them with that yeah. but she like she sees me read and she's been always been like i want to read i want to read i want to read so i taught her mm. and she's like she's four and a half she can read whole books that's it's awesome amazing yeah but i mean she's just really motivated to do it that's pretty cool yeah uh last two questions number one what would you like is there anything about you the person that you want to share with the audience that maybe people don't know and you've revealed a lot that i think a lot of people don't know this has been awesome getting to know you 
a lot of my students probably know about this, yeah. about a lot of, I don't know, right? Something about me, I, I really, I honestly have no, I think I've kind of told a lot. Yeah, you have told um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's cool to hear that, that your kids all know that because that's a key component of the classroom, sharing who you are and creating that relationship, yeah. right? Oh, because yeah. that's that creates a culture where the kids they want to be there and they wanna they wanna, you know, not let you down. They wanna work harder for you, which is which is perfect. Yeah. How about a piece of advice that you might share as you reflect back on high school and college? What's one thing you wish you would have known in high school that you know now? I don't know that it's something that I didn't know in high school, but I think it's important for them to know that they don't need to have it all figured out. Mm. And 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 if there is a gut feeling, you need to follow it. <laughs> like I because I that was something I did not I like didn't necessarily do. Yeah. Yeah. I had a conversation third block with my students, and um, the conversation centered around what they're passionate about. And they had to do a project and they got to talk about the different parts of their brain that are activated when they're doing what they're passionate about. But one of the takeaways from our conversation was so many kids don't feel like what they are passionate about or what their gut is telling them to do um, is validated or worthy of pursuing. And so I think about your story and I think about how, okay, I don't really want to go into research or I don't want to, you know, be in a lab but you didn't feel like you could pursue something else that you might've been far more passionate about. And yet you finally got the courage to do that and just say, Hey, screw it. I don't care what other people think. I don't care what their yeah. expectations are. This is about what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life and how I want to, I want to bring value to this world and I want to change lives. And I think that is just incredibly courageous. And I think it's a story that everybody needs to hear, but I also think it's even more important that our young women hear that story that they understand that you, you can pursue whatever you want and whatever dream you have. And I think you are an incredible role model for our students and well, especially, and especially <laughs> our young ladies. I, I have absolutely loved this conversation. Um, I, I have always admired the energy that you, you know, you just, you, 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 you just go right down the hallway. You're always, you have this bounce in your, in your step and this energy about you, this aura. And, uh, and to hear how passionate you are about the classroom just makes me excited. Thanks for spending some time with me. Thanks for having me. So, hey, <laughs> thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. I know you enjoyed this as much as I, as I did. Uh, please do me a favor, pass this on, share this episode out so more people can be aware of who Mrs. Benedict is and the incredible person of influence that she is. So, hey, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed our interview today. Be sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are listening on. And also feel free to follow me on Instagram at, at Mr. Horner, the teacher, or on Twitter at THS Mr. Underscore Horner for podcast updates, blog updates, and more information about our guests. If you liked what you heard, I would appreciate if you give us a review and share the episode. Help me get the message out about how incredible our community is and how awesome our teachers are. If you haven't, make sure you go back and listen to past interviews. There are a lot of amazing people that we've had the privilege of interviewing. Until next time, go Blue Devils.